This is the Hope FM Artist Interview. And welcome to this week's episode of The Artist Interview. I'm your host, Gordon T, and it's my absolute pleasure to get to talk to stars and newcomers in the world of contemporary Christian music and also the worship scene. And today, I'm really pleased to bring to you the wonderful Jimmy Needham. I've played him on my radio show many times, uh, and I tell you what, I love his music, so it's a real honour to get to meet him. Let's meet him after this first track, which is called Vice and Virtue. And that was Vice and Virtue. Hey, Jimmy, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Gordon, I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm I'm pretty good. I'm quite hot. It's, it's August here, August 2022 in the UK. It's been the hottest, driest uh, on record for the UK. So, Which is a big deal uh, because you know, I, I live in Texas, so it's always hot. But, uh, Ooh, okay. but uh, we have this thing called air conditioning. Uh, and <laughs> it's, I read a report or something. Is it true? Like... M- like the vast majority of homes where you're at uh, are not like air conditioned. No, we don't know. We don't, we don't do air conditioning. We've got, we've got a, a system um, that actually is totally portable, works everywhere. It's called sweat. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's, lovely. That's one of those, yeah, God, God, air conditionings. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so pro- probably, probably not quite as cool, but um, <laughs> yes, most most UK homes do not have air conditioning, and the truth is, we probably only need it for normally, well, normally one day a year, but this year it's probably been a week and a half that we've needed yeah. it, um, and that's temperatures fair. are luckily on the way back down. But okay, for reference, then you are in Texas. How hot is it in Texas at the moment? Uh, let's see. T- uh, well, yesterday in the car, it was, uh, I-, I don't know Celsius, but it was 104 Fahrenheit, which uh, I don't know that you can bake an egg or like cook an egg on a on a sidewalk at that point, but it's uh, it-, it sure felt like it. So okay. what is that? So so that is that is 40 degrees Celsius, um, yeah. which, which actually we, we just had, I think, about 41 uh, in London recently, um, so which was Woo. super super sweaty. <laughs> uh, they, 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 but but London didn't know what to do with it, so they closed some of the stations and they oh, closed yeah. lots of shops and they closed lot everything. Was shutting down, going it's too hot. We can't do this. Yeah. I imagine in Texas you probably don't close things down when it's forty degrees. No, we move uh, when we moved uh, to this part of Texas in Dallas. We uh, uh, it was the summer with a uh, hundred straight days of uh, forty degrees or above. Uh, oh my golly yeah that is hot so it was hot it's hot but wow. i'm used to it okay well where did you move from alaska uh, no no I, I was born up in colorado like denver area where the mountains are but i've lived most of my life in texas yeah so okay. and pretty much all texas i mean texas is big but you, you'll sweat everywhere here so yeah <laughs> okay so but we're not here to talk about sweating i apologize for raising <laughs> the topic myself but uh we, we're here to find out a little bit more about you and hear some of your great music so uh, could you tell us a little bit about jimmy uh, life yeah. story in a nutshell how did god and music all come together what's what's his master plan for you yeah you bet uh well i uh i was raised um not not in a Christian home or context, uh, uh, really. Um, we were sort of like nominally religious, but but weren't immersed. I I encountered um, Jesus when I 
got to about uh, high school, so 15 years old, uh, somewhere around there. Um, I was struggling with um, all sorts of things at the time and uh, thought I was the only one struggling with it, um, confessed uh, some of my issues and, and sins and all of that to a buddy of mine. I didn't know how he was going to react. I didn't know what was going to happen. And I was just met on the other side of that confession with an immense amount of grace, uh, patience, love, and and a story about uh a man named Jesus who was much more than a man. Uh, and he came to earth uh, to deal with and pay for the very things that I was so brokenhearted about. And um, from that day, about 15 years old uh, forward, uh, my life's been different. I- I've started uh, walking with Jesus and, and getting to know him. And, and uh, my whole life is starting to bend around him. And, and I got into music right around the, the same time, started playing guitar not too long before that. And I've always been singing. And uh, so when I started writing songs, um, you know, people used to ask me a lot in interviews, when did you start writing Christian music? And it's like, well, that, I don't think about it like that. I didn't wake up one day and say, I want to write songs that talk about Jesus. I I just, I write songs uh, about the most important things in the world to me. And it just so happens that the most important things in the world to me uh, fall in that category. And um, and so uh, when I got to college, I, I had enough songs to make a, uh, an album. And my father, for a birthday gift uh, one day, uh, he came, saw one of my coffee shop shows and said, uh, he's a, he, he works in the oil industry. He's just a, a good old boy from Texas who's not a singer, not a creative. And, uh, and he could have reacted very differently, but he was so supportive and encouraging. And he said, if you're interested... Uh, I'd love to fund an album for you. You have the songs. Wow. I'll put up the money for you to to record these songs, and let's just see what happens. So that that was huge. Can I ask you that? So you, and that is absolutely immense. But you see, but you're 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 a Christian singing about about Jesus and God. Yeah. yeah. Where, what did your dad make of all of the songs then that you were singing at that point? Yeah. So it wasn't that my parents were hostile to the gospel or to Christianity. Uh, it was just that um, their involvement in uh, the Christian life was just very nominal. So uh, they had a they had an, a stomach for it. It's just they weren't in a church at the time, those sorts of things. In fact, what's happened on the other side of that is uh, my family has come to Christ since then. They are attending church. They, you know, those types of things are happening. So it's actually been beautiful. But um, I made this album and that was a uh, 2005, which makes me sound like I'm 70, but I'm not. I'm 65. So how? how yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> wow. Which moisturizer do you use? Jimmy? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, um, so how old were you when when you made that album? Yeah. So I uh, let's see. Um, I was around 19, um, just uh, newly into college, 18, 19 years old, and I didn't know what was going to happen. I was in school uh, to be a history teacher. I studied history and philosophy, so I thought. Maybe I'll just do that. I love I love that stuff, and uh, and I made this album. And then one day, can I pause you? I'm 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 so bad at interrupting. I do apologize, Jimmy. No, you're you're but great. I'm intrigued. So your dad, who's an oil man, not a record man, says I'll pay the money to make an album, and you go, that's lovely because man, that is lovely of him. What a kind birthday present. Yeah. Yeah. How on earth does that process work then at that moment? I and mean, is it just you just hire a recording studio or tell me what happened? What actually happened to make that album happen? Yeah. Um, uh, I had uh, the, the worship pastor at the church I was at 
um, he he said, hey, I have a friend in town who makes albums. Uh, why, why don't I put you in contact with him? Show him some of the songs that you've written. And if he thinks you're not terrible, he'll record something with you. And uh, so I s- sent him some songs. In fact, I just found that email uh, from like 2004, like last week and read it again. And he was like, come on in, let's record this stuff. So so I got connected with uh, with this guy down in, in Texas and we went into the studio and paid track by track to record the the stuff. And I didn't know what I was doing uh, at the time, but I had this album that uh, back when you could actually hold it in your hand, you know, <laughs> and uh, um, we put we put it online. We put it on uh, some some of the listeners will remember this uh, this website. Uh, so MySpace, uh, we put it up on MySpace. Ooh. Yeah. Which was kind of like Facebook before Facebook and all that. And um, what happened was I got a phone call one day, uh, kind of out of the blue, from the the president of Impop Records, a record label in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, that that label at the time had uh, bands and artists like uh, the Newsboys, Shane and Shane, Super Chick, Matt Carney, uh, those guys. It was my favorite record label at the time. Wow. Uh, and I got a call from him saying, "Hey, so, uh, someone down in Texas tipped us off that that uh, uh, to check out your MySpace page." And we went on your MySpace page and heard some songs, and we love it, and we want to we want to come down to Texas to talk about signing you. Whoa! Which kind of a big deal, you know, yeah. for, for a guy who's studying to be a, a history teacher. So, uh, so I did. So we we met and uh, signed a contract, and the the. Uh, I got married uh, right around that same time while in, in college still. So I was in university. I, uh, I was about, I was two weeks away from starting my senior year. I, I got married. Um, we were on our honeymoon and on our honeymoon, my first album speak came out uh, uh, on M pop records. And I, you know, I was, I was off hiking on a mountain, uh, but uh, my whole rest of college and all that, you know, from about 20 years old on uh, was just uh, this wild life of, you know, I, I went, I stayed in school to finish out class and, 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 got, and get my degree. So we'd go to, we'd go to class Monday through Thursday. I'd hop on a plane Friday. We'd fly across the country, sometimes around the world, play some shows, fly back. And I was in class Monday night. Uh, so it was a very weird life. That, that, is, that is crazy, but but probably wise because if your voice had gone a bit squonky, you could go back to being yeah. a history teacher. So you thought you better get, right. better get your degree. But but yeah. God obviously had other plans, so it didn't yeah, it didn't go right. wonky. So how old were you when you got married? Uh, so twenty. That all happened like right in like that nineteen twenty year old space. And 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 how old was Kelly, your wife? Kelly's also twenty. She was a junior in 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 uh, university, but she. Uh, is super smart. So she just finished in three years and I took my good old time and, and then we, we got out together and went on tour. So wow, we graduated and went, went out with, uh, you know, my first tour was with a uh, new song back in the day. Then we went out with Natalie Grant. Then we went out with Barlow girl. Then we went out with super chicken. Then we went, went out on my own tours. And for basically all of my twenties, we just spent our life on the road and buses and planes and shows and yeah so it it sounds super cool and i'm absolutely <laughs> sure that there's got to be lots of super cool memories and moments yeah. in there yeah. but also i imagine it can take a toll on you as well i guess tell, tell us about some of the highs and the lows yeah 
Well, you know, I just think one of the highs that people take for granted is the ability. Uh, when I look back and I go, "Wow, I was I was able to provide for a family, um, buy a home, have a have a uh, a decent standard of living as a guy who sings songs." That that to me is uh, the older I get, especially in the in the rarer I I. Uh, I know that lifestyle to be, the more I just feel grateful for it. I mean, it's just not, I don't, it's not lost on me that um, God didn't have to make this my path uh, and he did. And uh, not everybody can do things for a living that uh, they absolutely love and would do it even if they weren't paid. And I had the privilege for so long to do that. And uh, so I, f- I feel really grateful um, uh, on so many levels. And, and at the same time, it is, you know, it is way less glamorous in, in many ways than, than most people want to frame it, uh, to be, I mean, there's nothing cool about, uh, uh, being in like a, a coffin sized tour bunk, you know, for like, you know, 12 hours at a time. And, uh, and especially when you're just married, and you and your wife are in separate bunks across the, uh, you know, hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not my favorite thing. No, so. I can see it has complications. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no. <laughs> and, and and you said Kelly came on tour with you. So is she musical? Yeah. So we met because uh, she was the violinist in my band. How's that? So that's uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. And so, um, uh, you know, one of the perks of, of marrying your band members, you don't have to pay them anymore, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you are paying for other things now. So, uh, but she's great. She, and she's brilliant. She did all of our uh, road management. She was my merchandise girl. She was, she did all the things and uh, she's a, a crazy gifted in her own right. She's an author now uh, with um, uh, one book out uh, with Nelson books. She's writing her second one right now. She's a speaker. She's, my, uh, yeah, God was too kind to me. I'm like, how, how, why, why, how am I? I? I look at her all the time. I'm like, I don't, I don't get how this worked out. But thank you, God. So, wow. Yeah. So really great. That's nice. You're grateful. I, th- I think that I've heard someone say the best time for the marriage is is where both partners feel that they got the better deal. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. For sure. In this case, but, I actually did get the better deal. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that is <laughs> that's true. Good. Keep on believing that. That's great because it might be true. Um, okay. So, uh, so you toured the world. What was your favorite country to go to? Mm. Uh, you know, one a special memory for me was um, it was really early on in my career, so it had an even more like uh, wow factor for me. Uh, internationally, I've I've done surprisingly well, and it's it's surprised me over the years. But I remember early on, maybe just a couple years into my career. Uh, I was booked for uh, an event down in Guatemala and um, in Guatemala city, we came in to the city and I remember being in the the car being taken to the venue and there's a, <laughs> there's a big billboard with my face on it. I was like, that is a very, very weird thing <laughs> for me to experience in this foreign country uh, that uh, we also had a translator on stage for the whole show, which made... Uh, I, I'm pretty like. Were, were, were they any good at singing? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, it's it turns out telling jokes in a foreign language doesn't have the same payoff, you know, because you got to wait for the translator. So it made the show a little bit interesting. So going down there, you saw you saw yourself on the big stage, but they they also translated things on stage. Uh, and how many people were there? 
Uh, it was, I think it's the biggest church in, in uh, Guatemala. So it was a, it was a really uh, nice size uh, audience and it was fun, but you know what? Uh, one of the, I, and I have, I really have gotten to travel a, a ton, uh, lots of stuff in um, Australia and Norway and Sweden, Denmark, uh, you know, Finland. We, we did Brazil a lot. Um, uh, and, uh, but uh, my, when I, when people ask me about my favorite shows, what, what I often say to them is those m- moments and experiences ha- have been so wonderful. And most people in the world don't ever get to do that. Uh, but my fondest memories are always, have always been the, uh, a uh, hundred people showed up. We're in the basement of some club or some, uh, you know, church, and uh, and I just—it's just me and my acoustic guitar, and it's you know an hour and a half of stories and sh- song sharing, and and God does so many wonderful things in those spaces that when I think about like what are the best memories I have, they've almost never been on a big stage. They've almost always been where I could count the number of people in the room, and. Uh, I think that's a good lesson for all of us to remember. You know, so so many times we we think to ourselves, "Oh, the ideal is the stadium. That's that's the goal." But I mean, for what it's worth, just taking it from me, uh, all of my sweetest memories have been in the least glamorous spaces, and I think there's something to that. Mm, I and actually, dear listeners, I should say. Check out the track "Clear the Stage" because I really like Jimmy's track "Clear the Stage," which talks about breaking down the idols in our life. And I, I certainly think what you're saying sounds really, really wise and interesting. Because it, for anyone who's in this sort of media industry, um, numbers be- can can easily become the main thing, and it can become such a you've got to do the big stuff. You've got to do the big stuff. But the fact that you're talking about your best memories being actually in the smaller context where God's doing cool stuff. Is a is a very good lesson yeah. for us all. So um, yeah. so thank you for raising that. But um, but clear the stage, uh, an absolutely brilliant track. Which after you've heard this interview, maybe go and check that out on your favourite streaming platform, or if you can, go and order the album from somewhere because uh, it's great. All right. Anyway, sorry, Jimmy. Just thought I'd plug your other tracks while yeah. while we're while thank we're you. talking about yeah. it. So um um, what if you don't mind me asking has been your biggest struggle being a musician? Oh, uh, you know, um, I think it's probably. Uh, I mean, I, I know what my answer is and, uh, to, to set it up, I would just say my biggest struggle is probably what's is the struggle for so many of us. Uh, it's just mine, uh, has worked out in, uh, on a more public platform, but it's, it's that struggle of, um, preferring myself in the spotlight over God. That's, that's ultimately the, the struggle of humanity. In a lot of ways, I think it's it's the core of what uh, when we use words like sin, what we're talking about. We want to be the center of our own universes, and uh, uh, you know the the temptation, especially um, in the context I have lived in for most of my adult life of performances and creativity and platforms and uh, you know interviews and all the stuff is it uh, it invites you to go maybe I am that important and uh maybe maybe the the focus does need to be on me and um man i have if there is one bit of advice i got right early on in my career i I don't even know that i was signed at the time but i had some pastors around me at the time uh who one of them i'll never forget what he said as i was just getting started he said hey remember this jimmy the most dangerous place for a human heart is on a stage and I, i that has stuck with me for you know how many 
15 years or so, 16 years, I just, uh, I found that so to be true that uh, the temptation to make the world about me and um, is so prevalent. In fact, when I, when I kind of reflect on my career and even my songs, my songwriting, so much of it uh, is me trying to process through, Lord, I don't, I don't want to live a life of self-promotion. I want to live a life of God promotion, and, uh, but I'm struggling and it's hard. And, um, and I know because I've done enough shows and talked to enough people and, and uh, uh, all that, that I know this isn't just a stage problem. I mean, it's all of us in any one of our platforms. And now, gosh, how much more when you can have a platform as soon as you download Instagram or as soon as you click on Facebook, you know, uh, platforms are a plenty these days. And uh, so I think it's a good warning for all of us that uh, um, the pull, especially in the modern Western world, is going to be uh, for you to put yourself center stage uh, instead of the Lord. Yeah. And I think uh, the track we played right at the start, Vice and Virtue, uh, actually talks a bit about how even even in your good stuff, there's still also this, this yeah. Vice stuff coming in that you need to actually just keep giving everything back to god um so because exactly it's, right. it can get messy out there i guess would be fair fair yeah, to say so right. thank you thank you so much jimmy for for sharing that um i think it's a very common challenge to to i, I think it's a challenge to anyone as a platform i think i think you're totally right but um yeah like you say platforms these days are all over the place so um what's been your tenderest moment with god ever mm, wow uh so many things come to mind. Um, you know, uh, it, it's uh, one of the things that, that comes to my mind is in the vein of things we were just talking about, actually. I remember, I don't know if this is the top one. In fact, it, it, it may not be, but it keeping on the theme, uh, I would say, um, I remember, especially in, in kind of the front half of my career, you know, one of the, I forget who said it. I think it was Teddy Roosevelt said that the, uh, comparison is the thief of joy. And, uh, you know, you're, we are always, I feel like in our flesh, comparing ourselves to one another and certainly in the artist world and that sort of thing. I remember early in my career, uh, really wrestling with that. I had peers of mine who we were both, we were all doing the music thing together and I'm, I'm watching sort of their career go up and my career sort of, uh, just stay kind of right here on this kind of plane. And, uh, you know, they're on tour buses and this tour I'm on a little, I'm in a little van and those, and I'm, I'm feeling all the things, their songs moving up the chart and mine kind of plateaued at number, whatever. And I was just kind of feeling miserable and sorry for myself, uh, in the back of the, the van, uh, one day on the way to a show thinking about a particular fellow and, and, uh, um, and God brought to my mind, John, uh, chapter 21. It's at the end of the book of John where Jesus has resurrected and he's now talking with his disciples on the beach and he's talking with Peter around the fire. And he has this, such this interesting moment with Peter where he looks at him and uh, uh, he, he says, I tell you this, Peter, when you were young, you used to gird yourself, dress yourself and go wherever you wished. Uh, but when you are old, you, someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not wish to go. And the next verse says, Jesus said this in order to indicate by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. And then it says, 
And Jesus said, follow me. And I felt so clearly like the Lord was saying, Jimmy, what if, just what if it is the death of your career, the stagnation of your ministry, the plateauing of your chart that that brought me the most glory? What, what if it, it brings me glory to, to raise person X all the way up to all the heights that everybody would want for an artist? And for you, I keep you right there, right on that kind of flatline level. If that brought glory to me, could you be happy with that? Or are you so obsessed with your own glory that, uh, that it breaks your heart uh, to walk uh, in ways I would want you to walk. And I just felt so undone, Gordon, just at the end of that thinking, uh, it, it was a, it was a renewal moment for me of just, am I going to live for my fame or his? And it was a beautiful moment. It, 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 it changed my life. It sounds absolutely profound. And I'm sure many people can relate to it and think, gosh, you know, I've been in this situation where I've wanted all these other things. Um, but maybe, maybe in the middle of all those things, God is glorified by me being exactly where I am. So what a challenge, what a challenge for, for all of us. Thank you, Jimmy. That's a, that's a really amazing story. And, um, I, I don't think anyone shared anything quite like that before. So appreciate it. So we, we, we've got time to move on to your second track that you've got for us. Um, and it's called Forgiven and Loved. Can you tell us all about the backstory? Why did you write it? What's yeah. it all about? Uh, well, this is, uh, I wanted to grab a song that that kind of dips back a little uh, earlier in my career. The, the first song I played uh, wasn't too long ago. And uh, th so this one's a, a, a kind of came at the beginning of my career. In fact, I was in college when I wrote it. And uh, I, I wrote it. Um, it. It's a little bit of a misnomer to say I sat down and wrote this song because it actually began as a journal entry for me where I wrote the first line, which became the first line of the song, which is, uh, tell me I'm forgiven and loved. Um, you know, I have a, uh, um, I have a pretty sensitive conscience. Uh, and, and not only that, but I'm also a, a, a knucklehead and a sinner and <laughs> I struggle. Uh, and so that, that's a, that's a combination that can lead a person to a lot of discouragement. You know, when, when you're painfully aware of the ways you're failing and not measuring up to the perfect standards of God. And, uh, you know, I think one of the liberating things about Christianity, it's, it's really the liberating thing, is that he does not count your sins against you if you trust his son. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's really the work of the Christian life, isn't it? That to, for us to reconvince our hearts every day that I don't have to earn God's approval, it has been accomplished and earned for me by Jesus. And then all of the failure of mine is put on the back of Jesus on the cross such that I don't have to live in uh, a, a constant state of guilt uh, or condemnation uh, or shame even because that all was put on my Savior. And uh, I would say, especially in my uh, early twenties. Gosh, that that voice of uh, he doesn't love. He he just haven't done enough, Jimmy. He he probably doesn't love. You. He's probably really disappointed in you today. 
was really loud. And so I wrote this song uh, to do what David does in the Psalms all the time. Uh, in Psalm 42, when he says, why so downcast, O my soul? Hope in God. Um, I, I, I wrote this song to, to, in many ways, preach that truth to myself that no, if I am in Christ, then Romans chapter eight, verse one is true for me. There is therefore now no condemnation for me because I am in Christ Jesus. So I love sharing this song because I think a lot of people feel like me, quite honestly. And um, I think they need to hear that truth too, that uh, by yourself in your sin, all the condemnation really is there. It really is as concerning as you should feel. But if you are in Christ, if you've trusted in the one who, who paid for your sins on the cross, there's no more condemnation. And let that be a breath of fresh air to you. That's what the song is about. Oh, I tried and tried to rectify my hopeless situation. But uh, by the lie, I still have work to do. Now I'm working nine to five like I can earn my own salvation. But there is no condemnation in you. And that was Forgiven and Loved by Jimmy Needham. And I'm so pleased that Jimmy is still with us here for the artist interview. Jimmy, thank you for just so much of the stuff you shared. It's I've been an encouragement to me and I'm sure many listeners as well. It would be lovely if you could take this opportunity now to pray for us. Uh, I would love to. Uh, Father, uh, thank you for a chance to talk to you. And we know that when we, we are talking to you, the only way that we are able to is because your son has removed the obstacle of our sin, even my sin, uh, Lord, so that you can hear my prayer, not as a, a judge over me, but as a father. And so we're coming to you as a father. And Lord, even just thinking about the, the words of that last song and of the truth of the, the book of Romans chapter eight, Lord, I'm praying for anybody who's listening right now that, uh, that if they have trusted in your son, Father, that you would in your kindness, through the power of your spirit, convince them of this, that there really is no more condemnation for them because they're in Christ Jesus. And I, I pray for just the, that heavy burden, that weight that's on their shoulders, that they carry around the, the, the guilt of that, that they could cast that off of their shoulders, that you would help lift it off of them. And, and you would help them see that your son had is, is ready and willing to take that into his arms instead. And that is the beauty of what you've done for us, uh, Father. You have, um, uh, you have not just given us laws to keep. We fail you in that. But instead, you've given us a law fulfiller in the person of Jesus who did it right for us in our place. And then you gave us a punishment absorber a wrath absorber in Jesus so that we'd never have to worry about facing anything other than your smile for all eternity. So for whoever needs to to hear that and, and be reminded of that today, God, would you remind them of that beautiful truth and let that change their whole disposition, how they look at the world, how they see themselves, and then how they see the, the people around them that you've put them by. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the beautiful freeing truth of the gospel. No other worldview, no other religion, no other people on the planet can say or pray what we just prayed. And we give you thanks for that. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Thank you very much, Jimmy. If you're listening here in the UK and you're thinking, I'd like to find a church, maybe find out what these guys are talking about. Feel free to go to www.findachurch.co.uk. There are many churches would love to welcome you. If you're listening to one of our partner stations worldwide, then contact the station and say, hey, can you recommend a really great church? Because I'm sure they would love to assist. Wow, Jimmy, it's um, it's so much fun chatting to you. And it's interesting just hearing about how God's gripped your heart. Um. It would be, I suppose, before we, in a moment, we, we've got to chat about what God's doing next and all the rest of it. But I, I would be interested just to know a little bit about what, what your church context is like. And you mentioned about having people early on who gave some really wise words um, to help keep your heart in the right place when on the stage. So church for you, how how's that work with also music? What's, what's, your, what's your church life? Yeah. Uh, well, I would say in the past maybe seven, eight years, God has radically changed. Uh, I wouldn't say radically. He has turned up the volume in my uh, life as to the importance of and the value of the local church. Uh, and um, it, in fact, I think one of the ways that I've, I've been able to sort of keep sane and even grounded over the years of touring has been um, even early on, me and my wife, Kelly, had a, just such a commitment to Hey, we need to stay plugged into a local church family. Um, and uh, about six years ago, I made a, a, a shift, um, uh, something I actually didn't ever expect I would do. I shifted from the lion's share of my labor of uh, being the touring life, making albums, to stepping into more pastoral ministry in my church here in Dallas, Texas. Um, where I, I now for the past six years am the uh, I split my time between uh, worship pastor and uh, teaching pastor. So I'm Sunday to Sunday either leading the worship at the church or I'm preaching the sermon uh, at the church. And um, I gotta say, it has been just so good for my soul. Uh, you know, one of the things that I, I have loved touring. I've loved getting to meet so many people around the world and uh, it's it's a wonderful experience. Uh, but there is something so um, refreshing about knowing I'm going to see that same set of faces next week. And I'm going to be able to invest in this group of men, for instance, um, for longer than just an evening. Uh, and so the discipleship uh, opportunities, uh, the investment in people's lives and their marriages and their singleness and their struggles, uh, getting to travel long with one group of people is sort of what this new season has been for me. And it's been so good. So good. Wow. Okay. That, that it sounds like quite an exciting place to be. By sounds like just looking at your face as you're sharing that, I'm thinking, yeah. wow, that's God's, God's got you in the right place. So, um, yeah. and I bet you're a huge blessing to people. So what's your favorite passage to have ever taught on? Uh, well, the first the first uh, passage I ever preached at this church is really one of the first passages I ever preached uh, in a sermon proper uh, is uh, Philippians chapter three. Uh, and it's it's where Paul is is basically looking at um, the Philippian church and he's going, hey, look, um, I I want to let you know that uh, you shouldn't put hope in your own abilities, your own giftings, your own um, ability to obey God's law. Because here's why. I 
I have done more than you. I promise. I'm like, I've been a super religious person for my whole life. And then I met Jesus. And what I have in him is better than all of my record combined. My resume, I don't hold to it anymore. I'm abandoning my resume and I'm grabbing Jesus's resume instead. And uh, that was my kind of first sermon at our church. And uh, it's, uh, it is the book of Philippians and that chapter in particular has been so helpful to me. The, the, just the idea when he says, um, uh, whatever I, I have, I, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, uh, I consider all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Uh, the idea that Jesus is better to Paul than anything, good or bad in his life, any achievement he's accomplished, uh, I think that is the posture of the Christian. And uh, so um, it's meant a lot to me. Yeah, Philippians 3. Sounds sounds like a great preach uh, and a passage we can all probably enjoy later on. Go and have a look and see what God will say to us in Philippians 3. Um, okay, so so you've got your new podcast launching uh, and... That's also going to take up. Is it going to be like a weekly thing or a monthly thing, or what's the plan? We're actually, um, we're on track to have two episodes a week. Um, so, uh, yeah, I know that's 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 quite a lot. <laughs> it's true. Uh, it's called batching. People, you do it all at once and then you split it up. Um, but it, it'll go. This this is our first season, and uh, it'll probably go September to through uh, December, and then we'll start season two in, in January, February time, and uh, about yeah, about twenty four episodes or so. So. It's also on YouTube too. We're doing a video uh, version of it as well, so they can subscribe there as well. Yeah. Okay, well that that to me sounds really. I'm definitely going to check it out. So, um, right. and I imagine that this will air when there'll probably be a few um, episodes available already. So, um, dear listener, go and go and check it out straight away before you forget. Okay, so that leaves the interesting question then about the music side of things, because you're obviously gifted musically. Yeah. Are you going to be producing? more music for release or is yeah. God going to be using you within the church context serving in the worship pastor role? Uh, well, I, I will say this. I've, I'm coming really open-handed. I love music. I love writing. I love creating. Um, I also know uh, I'm limited in terms of my time, you know? Uh, and, uh, uh, and so, and, and if anyone has ever made music or been around it, uh, you know, it takes time to get it from an idea to a song, to a studio, to a, you know, uh, to Spotify or whatever. And, uh, um, so my answer is, uh, I would love to, I, I even have some, um, uh, things I'm working on now, uh, and ideas for, uh, especially years ago, I did like a Hems Sessions album that uh, uh, I'm looking for ways to do music that also can immediately serve my local church as well, uh, which uh, taking Hems, which I think are just so theologically rich, and then finding ways to like make them feel contemporary and modern and fresh. I love doing that. And uh, uh and so uh, there's a very good chance that my next project is going to be exploring that as sort of like a volume two of like a hem sessions thing. Um, I would love to do that. And uh, it seems like the folks who who have enjoyed my music over the years have been uh, have enjoyed that from me. So uh, I could see that being a next project. Um, oddly, uh, w one of the other things I'm getting into right now is <laughs> this is so random uh, children's books. I'm coming out with a children's book. 
Oh, you're not, not uh, reading them. You're actually writing them. I, I'm right. Yeah, I, I do read them. Uh, and uh, and well, what's your I'm what's your fav- favorite children's book that you've read? Oh gosh, uh, you know the one that like set my um, uh, kind of imagination ablaze when I was a little kid was uh, is a Sesame Street book, and it's called "There's a Monster at the End of This Book." And Grover, the monster, is is narrating, and he's terrified because there's a monster at the end of the book, but he discovers, oh, it's just him. And uh, he's the monster at the end of the book. And it's and I just thought it was the funniest thing when I was five. So I don't even know why I even remember that. Oh, because I've read it to my kids now. I've got like oh. 400 kids. So yeah. You, you've got 400 kids? Well, I've got four kids and it feels like 400 and I oh. have one on the way. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that will keep yeah. you busy. I think five, five <laughs> is quite a number. So, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing all the things that you are doing. So, okay. Uh, the book that you want to write, children's book, have you written it already? I've written it. Uh, we're shopping it to publishers right now. Yeah. Don't, it's what, called, what? Uh, actually, this is the first time uh, anybody knows the title, but it's called Real Bad Guys. Real Bad Guys. Real Bad Guys. And yeah. who's, it, who's it aimed at? Uh, it's going to be in the like older side of kid world. So it's like that probably 7 to 12 range. Uh, and I'm just trying to explore that topic uh, that actually a lot of my songs are about, which is bad guys, the way that we think about bad people. Bad guys are not the only bad guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of the nuanced topic that I'm trying to uh, get at to help people see that um, it's not just the folks that we sort of put in the category of criminals and all that, that need a savior. We all do. And so we're kind of looking at that in the book. Oh, it's fun. Yeah, it does sound interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, do you remember Bugsy Malone? Uh, no. Listen. It's a film. It's it's before your time, sir. But um, but it, it's uh, it's a it's a great film, uh, all acted by kids, and they act out the role of uh, criminals from the days of uh, prohibition. So really, it's it's great. It's is really that your fun. number? Is that your top movie? <laughs> that- That's not. No, it's not. It's, it, okay. it was when I was younger. When, yeah, when I was the age group for the book you're, you're writing, <laughs> I, I loved it. Uh, but it's um it's got a song in it called "We We Could Have Been Anything That We Wanted to Be," and and, and at the start they were bad guys and they're all the bad guys. Yeah. And at the end, after they've been through all this stuff, they change their hearts and then they they're good guys. So I just thought you might. You, oh, you, I'm you, I'm looking it up. Um, it's from 1976. This film, so it gives you a little idea of um of the uh, thing. But but Jodie Foster's in it. Oh, okay. Is she a kid in it? I guess. Yeah, yeah, she is. Bugsy Malone. So, okay. Um, Thanks for uh, that. Yeah, you'll, you'll 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 have to enjoy it or, or hate it. Tell, tell me sometimes. Send me an email. Say I watched it with my wife. What a strange recommendation. <laughs> so anyway, there we go. Um, uh, t- yet again, entirely off topic. I, I do apologise, Jimmy. So uh, if people want to connect with you and want to find out a bit more from you, so so this this program goes out worldwide. Let's say people wanted to actually have you, because you said you've been to, to places like Sweden and mm-hmm. Finland and all sorts of places before. Are you traveling at all abroad these days if people want to book you, or are you only staying put? Yeah, I, I'm definitely open to that. Uh, we just we take it on a show-by-show show basis. So if anybody's ever interested, we just uh, send them to uh, jimmyneedham.com forward slash booking, and they can submit a request, man, and we'll be there. Yeah, so. Jimmyneedham.com. Okay, that's easy to remember. Uh, and what about social media? Do you spend a long time doing social media, or do you avoid it like the plague? Uh, I'm, <laughs> yeah, it's, it depends on the week. Um, but I'm on the, all the platforms and, and, uh, especially with the podcast coming out, we've been engaging, um, a little bit more and, um, yeah, it's been fun. So just at Jimmy Needham for pretty much all of it. So 
Yeah. Okay. Easy pie. Yeah. Easy pie. That sounds that sounds good. Okay. I, and I, I, there's part of me that's disappointed that you haven't gone. I've got loads of stuff coming out musically uh, no. because I've really, I've really enjoyed it. In the preparation for this interview, I've really enjoyed listening to the tracks you've done. They, they are absolutely great. I feel they come from your heart you, and, um, and they've been, they've been a, a blessing to me. At the same time, also well done for being really wise and thinking I can't do everything and, um, and prioritizing the things that God says these are the things to go for first. Yeah. Um, knowing all the stuff you've got on and, and four kids plus one on the way, what advice do you have for people at the moment who are struggling with all the things they're juggling? Yeah, well... And in the UK at the moment, we've, we're maybe heading into recession. People, some people are taking on extra jobs and all the rest yeah. of it because we've got the highest inflation. Now, it's a, an interesting, I think interesting is not the, the right <laughs> word, but maybe the kindest word I can use about the, the economic situation yeah. and perhaps the wider world situation. Well, So for people who are struggling, what would you recommend? Yeah, well... Uh, I, I empathize with a lot of that. And, you know, uh, uh, here in the States, uh, we're experiencing uh, our version of that as well. And it is a very interesting time to, um, uh, to be alive and interesting time even to, to be a Christian. And, um, you know, I am so, uh, I'm so comforted by, I just preached on it recently. So it's fresh in my mind. Uh, psalm 107 is such a great Psalm. Um, especially for folks uh, in seasons, and this might be you listening uh, right now, uh, who are, yeah, are struggling. It, it's economic struggles. It's uh, uh, just environmental struggles. It's spiritual struggles. Uh, that Psalm is doing the work of reminding you, reminding your heart and my heart that the, the just predisposition, the, the, at the deepest part of God's heart, there's just an inclination to help anyone who would cry out to him. The psalm is remarkable because uh, it gives four little stories of uh, people who are in different various struggles, and then they cry out to the Lord, and he meets them in their struggle, and he rescues them from their affliction. But what's beautiful is their struggles are so diverse. It's it's folks who, uh, through no fault of their own, they're on a boat at sea and the storm is going crazy. That's not their fault. They're crying out to the Lord. He helps them. And then there are folks who are total scoundrels, the worst that people who got there because they made terrible decisions and sinned against God. And the same thing happens. They cry out to God and God's tender heart toward them moves toward them and he rescues them out of their affliction. So I would say if you're struggling, uh, you are one prayer away, one step away from from having a God who is nothing if not an advocate for people who are desperate for Him. So cry out to Him. It's it in Jesus Christ, the door of God's mercy is wide open, which means you can come in through Jesus and experience all of the help you need, uh, no, no matter what the issue is. Your your God is a God who loves to help needy people. And I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it really is. Actually, it reminds me, because earlier on when you were talking about some things, it made me think about how people judge themselves really harshly. Uh, and I just want to say, if you maybe are thinking, ah, you know, I've got too many things wrong or I'm not good enough. I think that was really some of the stuff that was coming through from what, what you said, Jimmy. Or if people think other people would judge them uh, harshly so they can't come to church because other people won't like them or whatever it might be. I just think I want to reiterate that statement of God's love and God's invitation being being available. So you can always decide uh, to lay everything down before God uh, and to follow him. It's a beautiful invitation he gives. And uh, so often it's the, the things that we 
feel bad about that get in the way of us following that. So, so thank you, Jimmy, just for just for the fact that you've just talked more about God's love yet again, uh, just breaking down the barriers and always being available. So we've got one last track to play from you, and it's uh, one of your one of your newer tracks, isn't it? So it's called All Hail the Power. Tell us all about that. Yeah. So this is going to be in that vein of uh, songs that uh, probably a lot of people, uh, especially who grew up in church context, might be familiar with. It's an old, old hymn that uh, I just fell in love with. And I was trying to find ways at our church even where I could bring, introduce this deep, rich, Jesus-exalting content, uh, but in a way that feels fresh and current and uh, something that they'd want to listen to in the car. And uh, and so this became the product of that. And uh, we had so much fun with it. I, I grew up listening to Motown and st- you know, Stevie Wonder, Sam Cooke, Otis Redding, Temptations, Jackson 5, all that. And so uh, I love just exploring that sort of musical space, but with content that like makes my heart happy in God, that's like my sweet spot. So that's what this song is. It's trying to meld those two worlds. And that was All Hail the Power by Jimmy Needham. And thanks so much to Jimmy for joining us today. I really enjoyed speaking to him. What a clever, smart, talented, gifted guy. Do you know what as well? There are loads of other interviews for you to enjoy by lots of other talented artists with great music as well. So feel free to pop along to your favourite podcast platform and search up The Artist Interview and also maybe share them with a friend, subscribe uh, and enjoy the blessing. There's so much great music with God right in the middle of it. Thanks for joining me, Gordon T. I look forward to being with you on the next episode of The Artist Interview. Talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music, this is the Hope FM Artist Interview.